Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, have you been to the DMV lately? Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, so two years ago. Well, yeah. is that lately? You know, I mean, about two years ago. It's about as lately as I want to get with But Ohio's like doing those six-year licenses, oh, which I'm yeah, super pumped yeah. about, so I don't have to go there as often. The real as ID type stuff? The real ID. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. that recently. Well, again, a couple years ago, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have to get a, have you had to get a permit for anything recently oh, at all? Why? Well, no. It's like pulling teeth. That's it's really yeah, difficult. See? You're yeah, see? Getting, you're, you're getting the hint here a little oh. bit. <laughs> Okay. Because most people hate the DMV. Yes. Getting permits is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Anything related to local government and bureaucracy is. Yes. It, it kind of gets a, a lot of flack for being very slow, well, And rightfully slow. So, That's right. Know. It's not unjustified at all. It's not. But, you know, I'm sure that the people who work in those positions, they probably don't really enjoy what makes everything slow and ponderous and Oh, yes. They too. would like to be more efficient, yeah, more customer-friendly. I would, customer ass- friendly. I would assume. I would yeah. hope so, yes. I, I would hope they don't do this just because, you know, out of spite or anything, yeah. you know. <laughs> So the point of this is because we're kind of talking about this today, yeah. maybe smarter tech might be ah, the solution to some of those issues. All right. So we're talking about modernizing municipalities today. Got it. Uh, we have Tammy Wanless on with us from Dacra Tech. Yep. She's going to help us kind of dive in and talk a little bit about what like local officials are dealing with, mm. you know, kind of processes that are slow and cumbersome that mm-hmm. they probably want mm-hmm. some help with. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what modernization actually means in the context of local government. Modernizing about. local government. I'm sorry. It feels I, I like know. it's a dichotomy, I I, so I can't wait to dive into this. I, I agree. <laughs> Again, anyone who's listening is probably rolling their eyes like, uh, yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> government, modern, whatever. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about VARs and how they can play in this and maybe why they shouldn't be steering clear of government if, right. if there's somebody that's a little hesitant about it. Good. And we're going to talk about Dacker's approach to this whole thing, uh, too. Excellent. So you can understand a little Great bit more company. about their tech. Yeah. 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 So good. I think we're going to have a fun conversation. All right. with Fair enough. You. I'm in. Maybe at the end of this, we'll have some solutions that will make a trip to the DMV or getting a permit not more such a nightmare. More pleasurable. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, all right. That's, there's, there's my advice for VARs right there. Like, if oh, you yeah? do this in your community, your yeah. life may get better because of it. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And you make some money along the Think way. Think of your children for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connected with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest for today is Tammy Wanless. She is the Chief Operating Officer for Dacra Tech. Tammy, welcome to the show. We love having you on here. Tell us a little about yourself, your background, and what do you do day-to-day at Dacra? Great. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast today. Um, I am born and raised in Chicago. I've been with Dacra Tech for almost four years, and... um, the background, I started out in education, and so that's kind of the heart of uh, what, what I'm going to talk a little bit about today is education and communication, and I didn't come from the government space, so it's been refreshing, as you said, um, going from private sector to government because there's a lot of difference between those. Um, you know, government can sometimes be the unicorn in the sales cycle, but I feel like we've done a great job of, of navigating through that and, and have some excellent solutions and really enjoy partnering um, with a, the lot of ours that we currently have uh, through Blue Star. So looking forward to giving you those solutions today and, and talking a little bit more about modernizing. I know that seems like an oxymoron, as Dean alluded to, but uh, I'm looking forward to sharing those solutions with you guys today. You're already a warrior. I mean, right? To go from oh, private yeah. into the government, it's usually <laughs> the inverse. You know, people are like, right, fleeing right. government, get out of here. So and like, and education to government, right? too. You want, yeah. I mean, again, two different industries that yeah. have their own set of different issues and problems and yeah. bureaucratic nightmares. There, there you so. go. Yeah. But I always appreciate so anyway. someone that makes a leap from one industry to another because yeah. Yeah. I feel like you get to bring a fresh perspective. Oh, you know? 100%. Like, I've never worked in the same For industry sure. twice. So, like, right. you know, I get that. Like, yep. I think it's, yep. it's nice to shake things up and change yeah. it a bit. Yeah, yeah, so. There you go. All right. Well, Tammy, let's get this kicked off here. Let's talk about, um, you know, we, obviously we just had the midterm elections recently uh, and you know, a lot of local officials were on the ballot for a lot of folks in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And those people may have a big impact on what happens in communities. You know, those are important elections. But what are those officials facing as they now take office or are going to be taking office soon and all these challenges laid out in front of what kind of challenges are out there for local officials to, you know, manage what's happening in local government? 
Yeah, John. So interestingly enough, government officials, like many leaders uh, across the nation, are really coping with critical staffing shortages. You know, the, the absence affects every position in the municipality, whether, you know, that's records clerks, finance department, building code inspectors, um, community service officers. And, and I just read recently um, in, uh, oh, meet, meet my meet my coworker. <laughs> no problem. Um, um, she sleeps most of the day, but um, other than that, she's good to work with. So this absence, you know, affects everybody. But I was just reading that um, in, in police executive uh, research forum that a survey in 2021 showed a 45 percent increase in retirements and an 18 percent jump in resignations. So, you know, departments are struggling to retain and recruit police officers, They're canceling days off. You know, the people that work in municipalities, they have a heart to serve, but they're really stretched thin and they're putting in long hours, extra overtime, and, and that has an impact on that budget, right? So if they are, um, if they're putting in extra time, it, it's affecting that budget, you know, over time. Also, it, it leads to employee burnout. So all these factors threaten the quality of life in our communities. So, you know, officials are tasked with maintaining a balanced budget, uh, but the one thing they can't take away from is emergency responses. So they have to find a way to improve that culture, reduce those retirements, um, and, and that'll help, you know, change the culture and maybe attract uh, a um, a better workforce, a stronger workforce. So the more modern that municipality becomes, the more attractive they become when recruiting police officers and staff. And then if they'll be more efficient and that's better for the community as a whole. Not immune to the rest of the world, no, right? No. Uh, and what the rest of the world is what I'm hearing. I've from yet Tam, to find an industry right? yet that isn't dealing with staffing problems. Well, right, you know? right. Or the need to modernize, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And, and be like that lure that brings in top talent. Well, yeah. And when you think about top talent, it's going to really be hard for government officials because typically it's not, you know, you know, if I'm a striving, I want to go work for Google or I don't know. You <laughs> right. think of the think of the high right, end, right. you know, whatever. Oh no, come work for the mayor's office. Yeah, what? yeah, you know. To your point, Tammy, they usually do have a heart of gold, and their hearts in the right spot, right where they want to. They want to be a public servant. They want to. They want to do well, especially our firefighters and police officers. And I mean, why do that job unless you have that heart of gold and right. doing that? So. Uh, yeah, but not unique to the staffing concerns yeah. or, or what's happening. I mean, retirement, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, generational gaps and, right, right. and what's happening there. And, uh, yeah, it's happening, right? Yeah, it happens yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we, like we talked about, I think, with healthcare on a recent episode, unlike some industries where staffing shortage, sure, every every industry has staffing shortages, has problems because of But, you know, if, mm -hmm. if I get my cheeseburger a little slower than usual, it's not that big of a deal, mm -hmm. you know, versus in healthcare and in government and, again, you know, especially in emergencies services emergency response where you know staffing shortages and stuff not operating as quickly and smoothly as you would like can lead to harm and death and mm -hmm. you know like that's not well, something you want to happen well that's a really good point that tammy brought up in the fact that that these mean any of these government officials they have a budget right and they have a duty on the at least on the emergency services right. to serve the public right so yep. it's not like they they can't just walk away from that right <laughs> you can't just they you know, can't just say oh, well whatever it's we're gonna, gonna take shut a down that end of our business right. it's not right. profitable it's too hard getting people there you know <laughs> so we're not gonna have fight right tammy i mean they, they've got that unique we're not gonna worry about fire codes this month just <laughs> we'll just skip it this month no big deal it's can't fine. do that yeah. can't do that so that makes the, that makes government unique right tammy absolutely you know um one of the things is government municipalities they never stop working they run 24 7 you know 365 a year and when you constantly have your foot on the gas pedal you really aren't built to pivot or be nimble right government agencies are designed to stay the course and and they're more like a school bus turning a corner than a porsche right so that that's part of the problem i think when we look at modernizing municipalities i i, I think uh, when i talk to a lot of ours they say you know government agencies are so stuck and and the reason is is twofold one is um they're always moving. So nobody says, hey, I'm really excited to implement new software and get some new hardware, right? Nobody says that. Um, one of the things at Dacrotech is we get that. We understand that you're working 24-7. You don't have time to, to stop and pause and catch your breath. 
So, uh, you know, that that's one factor in why municipalities are so slow to adopt new technology and innovation um, compared to other industries. But the, the other factor that you touched on earlier, John, is that there's frequent leadership changes and every newly elected administrator comes in with new goals, new priorities, and a vision. But that is tied to the budget from two years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so what I mean by that is, you know, a, a, a new police chief might start and he might have, you know, 40 squads in his fleet, but they don't have MT, you know, MDTs or software or printers in their squad cars. So he might have this vision, but it's going to have to wait until the budget cycle catches up. And I think that's one of the most frustrating parts for VARS um, when looking in the government space is how do we help them modernize um, and and get the money they need allocated for technology within that budget cycle. Well, you've obviously already mentioned, you know, the the slowness of, uh, of adopting things and the fact that a new uh, you know administration might take over mm-hmm. and operating on an old budget or maybe have new ideas that would need a new implementation. And again, to your point, also the idea of figuring out a way to interrupt a nonstop cycle of work to start a new i mean we've we talked about this in supply chain before yeah, you know right, like yeah. the reason why like warehouses and supply chain and distributors don't tend to upgrade and do new technology yeah. that very often is because how do you shut down you can't. a facility that needs to move a certain amount of boxes yeah, and a certain amount of packages or whatever out in and out right. every day yeah. so that you can you know throw up a whole new system or whatever yeah, i mean that's exactly that yeah. could be millions of dollars that are being lost over a short amount of time so obviously yeah modern is not exactly a term that most people associate with local yeah. governments yeah. no 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 <laughs> and they're as we've joke about it, but it simply is true. Is there anything else that's holding them back? Anything else that's slowing down these officials and and these institutions from being able to to take on the kind of technology that we would, you know, us and our bars would love to be able to sell to them? Sure, you know, technology can be intimidating. So one of the things that we look at when we are um, working with a municipality is communication and education. You guys know in technology, um, you know, a lot of times they're gravitating towards our younger kids, right? Because <laughs> they, they're they born with an iPad in their hand. Um, so, you know, some of the things that we work with with municipalities is they're recruiting younger people. How to use that technology uh, to springboard the municipality forward and really streamline and utilize the people that are present, the people that are working overtime and that are spread thin. And so working, you know, the, the phrase smarter, not harder, you know, using iPads and license plate recognition uh, to quickly issue a parking ticket in, you know, less than three clicks. Those types of things, uh, I, I think, really are, are going to help modernize. And once they see that efficiency, you know, we had a municipality that um, had a, a parking lot that they used to, you know, issue 80 tickets a day, you know, the manual way. And after implementing the software, uh, you know, using a, a tablet device, um, you know, using uh, portable printers, they were to they were able to increase that ticket volume. And, and ultimately, you know, I mean, we're very cautious, you know, it's not about issuing tickets, it's about compliance. And so, you, you know, as the community service officer or police officer is able to issue those tickets, it's helping people be more compliant. And, and I like where you're going on the adapting of new tech. I think I think there's hope out there in the sense that, you know, when this younger generation comes, they're just going to demand new right, tech. Right, right. You know, and it, it's going to, because they can't operate in, in a world that's not yeah. that. Um, so there's, there's going to be opportunities, yeah. right? I always yeah. think, I mean, like, it, the one clear example that always sticks out to me is anytime I do go to vote, Mm. And you walk into your polling place, and let's be honest, most of the time it's senior citizens that are staffing That's those right. places because yeah. they've got the time they and ability the time. to do yeah, so. Right, right. Right, right. But, you know, and then I also look at that and think, man, there's so many opportunities for more modern technology in our voting process. And some places will have some voting machines, you know, and some, you know, some places are more modern than others when it comes to that. But I look at that and go, well, let's be honest, part of the problem is not only do you have to bring in senior citizens, you know, to do this, but then if you want to try to train them to use this modern technology that they're not comfortable <laughs> with and equipped with, because I always hear it every time yeah. there's an election cycle, you always hear yeah. a call for like, hey, let's try to get younger people in right. to yeah. work in the yeah. polling places yeah. and, you know, yeah. and, 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 and again, be able to adapt to new technology. But to your point, mm-hmm. I think until, you know, a generation kind of ages through and cycles through and, you know, the... I guess to some extent our generation, but definitely younger generations get into the age where they can be more a part of government and 
bureaucracy and, you know, you know, and, and have that calling to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. There are going to be the folks to your point that, you know, they, they want it. They need the technology. Like mm -hmm. this is life requires this technology. Yeah. So let's implement it all across the board here too. Yeah. And of course, by the time that happens, there'll be even younger generations with newer right. technology. Exactly. Better that, yeah. that they'll be reticent about that <laughs> at that point. Like, no, I don't want Never VR ending. in here. Yeah. Never exactly. ending. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think John, one of my favorite stories is we had a hearing officer that, um, I believe was in late 70s, early 80s, right? And was really resistant to technology. And so, um, you know, it became my passion to have them really embrace technology and see how software and hardware can, can really make a difference for them, right? So see the value. Um, this hearing officer has become our biggest cheerleader um, because looking at that process and being able to view evidence quickly, um, look at a location quickly, they saw how easy it was to use and, and not so intimidating. And, you know, if the software is intuitive or the hardware, you know, works consistently, it's going to be so much easier to adapt. And it's almost like the domino effect. You know, I always say uh, once we had this hearing officer trained in the software and, you know, he's out singing our high praises, it shows other people that the technology is easy in there and, you know, try to break down those barriers where people say, I'm not, I'm not a techie, right? So every training session, people start out, I'm not a techie. And I say, great, then you're going to love this because it's really easy to use. That's it. That's yeah. a, that's a yeah. powerful thing to be able to tell somebody. That is. Because, yeah. yeah, to your point, again, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that call people into public service. Mm -hmm. Being technologist is probably not one, not of, one them. of them, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, you know, it's there's, they just there's, want an easier workflow, right? There's industries that you go into if you're someone that's big into technology and just want to be oh, using sure. technology yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think most most of us assume there's going to be some level of technology in most jobs that we enter these days. Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, I think a lot of people that you know, that go into this particular you know call you know, line of work. They're not necessarily someone who's all expected to be or known to be a high tech person. Mm -hmm. So I think anytime you can go to someone and say, "Okay, you're not tech, you're not super tech savvy," that's fine. That's we, fine. We got yeah. you covered anyway. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. be nice and easy to use. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good a good story to tell. Well, then uh, that kind of leads me a little bit into like our VARs, obviously, and you know how they approach these matters because we want them to be the person that gets to go and talk to someone and say, "Hey, you know, mm -hmm. we'll make this easy for you." Yeah, you know, like, right. We, this won't be a complicated long process. Yep. But also a lot of ours though kind of treat government as like a very they stay away from it because it's, it's, it's a monolith. Yeah, it's yeah, a monolith. It's it's, yeah. it's it's slow, you know, cycles. It's a lot of red mm -hmm. tape. It's complex bid processes. New boss every other year. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like, oh my gosh. I, it's one of those things to <laughs> TM, you mentioned it up front that you know there's there's a um, you know kind of a golden ticket opportunity there and they know that like man it's if you get one of these deals you get some great money out of it mm -hmm. and usually a lot of recurring revenue for oh, yeah, a long right. time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of ours get discouraged because getting to that point seems like almost impossible. So what's what's your advice for them for anyone who's like I'd like to do this but why? Yeah, great question, John. So coming from the private sector into the government was very eye-opening for me, you know, looking at the length of that sales cycle. Um, like many of the VARs, I was discouraged. You know, what do you mean it takes years to groom a, a sale, right? Um, what I've learned is that patience really pays off, and, and here's why. You know, working with government, government municipalities, it's a long-term investment. So Nobody loves change, but government really doesn't like change. And so if you use that as a leveraging point, in other words, when they do come with you, they come with you, right? So as you fill that sales funnel, I've learned that government agencies are loyal. They like to work with technology, but they need a partner that can support them through every step, you know, beginning with the budgeting and implementation. They don't know what they don't know. And so working with someone that can help understand their industry and then say, these are the solutions you need. So knowing the agency's budget cycle, I mean, if you've got somebody that, you know, isn't, isn't up for uh, new equipment or new software for seven years, you know, keeping that relationship, but focusing on those that maybe are ready and in, in a budget cycle you know, listening to what their specific problem is before you provide the solution. A lot of times we come with a hardware solution to go, you need this, but we're not listening to what their problem is. So taking the time to, you know, discover what do they really need? What's the pain point? Um, you know, 
articulate your value and unique differentiators. You know, that those are the things that might not be listed in the RFP, right? So when you're grooming through an RFP, you're thinking, oh, this is a good fit for me. But talking to them about, you know, what what's the value of going with our hardware? What's different than what they're currently using? What don't they like with what they're using? You know, you can earn more business if you provide more than just hardware. You provide support and education. You know, a lot of times when I'm working with people that with a printer, um, they need to understand how to calibrate it. Where do they go to get service? And, and then it's a much better experience for them. You know, again, you're talking to a community that's not used to setting up uh, technology. And, and most of them, especially smaller municipalities, they don't have an IT department. The chief, the police chief is the IT department, Right. So, um, you know, breaking those things down so that you have that relationship and that can sometimes bring unexpected sales, you know, so be prepared to win sometimes. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think we've all had an experience where a deadline approaches and and a municipality will give me a call and say, I need to spend some money, (laughs) right? Um, So you want to have that rapport so they pick up the phone and call you first and, um, you know, trust that, that you know what they need and have that relationship. So, you know, the patience, that's what I'm talking about is they might not buy today, but having you be the industry expert, you to be the resource, that's the value with government sales cycle. It can be frustrating, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, you're, you're like working the account and, and, and it just takes a long time. You know, back when I had, when I worked for Avar, you know, we did have a couple of government contracts and they took a long time. I mean, right, the sales cycle right. is like really, really long, but the payoff is there, right? I mean, because we won one of the largest convention centers in the Cincinnati area and, and deploying our technology and, and that led to other, you know, opened up other doors because right. now, you know, we became a safe bet and we understood the environment and it does have those payoffs, Tammy. I agree with you that, you know, it might be a little bit frustrating and, and, and I think your advice was awesome in the sense that, you know, understanding where they are in the buy cycle, you know, if there's six, seven years down there, okay, maintain relationship, but maybe this one's a little hotter, especially if you're first getting into it until you get those in your, you know, in your workflow right. and understand where they are. Relationship building, really, really key. Yeah. yeah. You know, basically what I just heard from Tammy is selling to government is not that much different to selling to a lot of other industries. It's just a longer cycle Consultative selling, right? emphasize you your value adds, <laughs> be a trusted advisor, be the person that they want to yeah. call first whenever there's a problem right, or they right, need right, something. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's just to your point, like you just have to be a little more patient. Mm. You have to, you, you can't expect the quick turnaround and the quick dollar. It's, yeah, it might have a little more headaches to it, but yep. ultimately what you're doing, your day-to-day work and how you approach that being a value-added reseller, yeah. it's all the same. I mean, yeah. you're still doing the same thing. You just, again, like, I guess if if you're someone who just wants to, you know, turn a buck and turn a project into a sale as quick as possible, mm-hmm. okay, maybe government's not for you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, 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 if you truly want to be good at this and you want to be someone that truly is looked at as someone that can be trusted, someone that can be relied upon for technic- for tech issues of any kind— mm-hmm. Well, then again, yeah, this is no different than hopefully what you're doing in every other industry that you sell into. Yeah, and so. I like the phrase that you had, Tammy, support all the way through the, every step of the process, yeah. right? And so like resellers, you know, they if they don't know this by now and their ability to grow their business comes through their partnerships that they have. And like a Dacrotech is really going to help you uh, you know, get into the door within these government organizations with a real solution. Right. That, that they can they, they can provide that, you know, through every step of the process, not just the pre-sale, not just the sale. Sale, but then also the post-sale yep. ability to do that. So yeah, exactly. And I like your point too from your bar days about <clears throat> becoming the safe bet. Yeah, because right? you know, again, these these complicated processes for RFPs mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. bidding and all this stuff, they don't like that. I'm sure any more than than you, the VAR no, does. They don't. You know, yeah. those people don't. They don't we've enjoy. We've had Jeff to do Smith on. Remember? Yeah. yeah, we've had these conversations with him. It's like, no, it's exactly. a nightmare to get a hundred <laughs> responses to an RFI. <laughs> right. or, you know. So imagine how good they must feel when they know, like, hey, there's somebody we can go to and lean on, That's or right. someone that when we put this out there, and we, if we get their yeah. bid back and their, you yeah. know, their documentation back, we know that there's someone we can rely on, and they get moved to the top of the stack pretty mm-hmm. quickly because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Again, be that person, become that person. Yep. And you're kind of set for a while. I would That's think. right. E- again, right. even through, I know, again, you know, you might have administration changes and people changes or whatever. But again, I would think a lot of those folks, when they come in new, if someone on the outgoing or, you know, if they've looked through some files and find out, hey, company X, 
was instrumental in getting all of this stuff up and running, who do you think they're going to call first? Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. not going to say, well, screw Company X. I'm going to call Company Y now instead. <laughs> no. I mean, unless, you know, I don't know, their brother works for Company Y maybe. But <laughs> otherwise, they're probably going back to where Absolutely. to what they're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Tammy, let's dive in a little bit on the bid process real quick because I'm sure you've seen more than your fair share of bids, right, <laughs> that have come through, Right. And, and so I always had like a, a little stable of information because a lot of the RFPs ask for the same kind of rudimentary information, right, right. you know, what, how long you've been in business, blah, 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 blah. So it's good to have some of those block things that you can just kind of place in there, maybe tweak them a little bit because you're dealing with somebody, there's some nuance in this municipality and that right, city right. government or whatever. Um, but it was always, for me, it, it was always helpful to have that kind of at the ready. Are there any other tips? Because I know, you know, I can remember when I was a reseller and you received that sheet, you know, of, hey, here's this opportunity or a bid, you know, that's been put out and it's 20 pages and you got to navigate through the the daggone thing, right? right. Uh, do you have any other uh, tips of uh, or tricks? Because I know that, uh, I'll just restate it, that's one of the hard things for a VAR to do. Yeah, it really is to navigate through that RFP. And, and you know, I think everybody listening can identify the decision maker in government is consistently inconsistent. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, this could be the city manager. It could be the police chief. You know, we've had people as the, the finance director, right? So um, you want to look at um, who's driving that project and hit those sweet spots. So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, we have the city of Chicago and who drove that project and that RFP was the adjudication team. So what was important to them, right? You know, sometimes we have a, an RFP template that's a one-size-fits-no-one, right, Dean? I mean, you're, you're right. You're, you're plugging and playing. and But really taking the time to figure out who's driving that project will really customize your answers. And that way it hits their sweet spot, not necessarily the, you know, the overall. That's a great tip yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, understanding who owns, you know, the, the process, yep. if you will, and, t- and, t- and conforming your pitch or your message to, to suit that. It's an awesome, yep. awesome advice. Completely yeah. agree. Because it is group. It's a group buy yeah. in, in a lot of, right? You're going to have a lot of people that need to nod their head. Yes. But at the end of the road, there is a ringleader, you know, usually. Right. right. Uh, and, and they'll give you clues, you know, exactly what they're looking for. Or at least that's what I would do. You know, a lot of RFP processes have a, a Q&A portion, you know, that's open. And I would be very right. direct. You know, what is it exactly? You know, all this is great. I, I used to love the ones that were in person because then you could, you could have a conversation. Right. Like, right. what is it you're really looking to do? Right. Here, um, because you know, I think we can do what you're looking for, but I want to make sure we're hitting the nail on the head, kind yeah. Of thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, you know, it, 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 here's a plug for for previous episodes of the podcast, too. Go back to some of that stuff we did with James Cordy about the challenge customer. We talked about right there, how to tackle yeah. buying groups, mm-hmm. how to figure out how to sell and yep. market to B2B. I mean, yep. that's again. Yeah. You know, it's not that different just because it's government. It's going to be the same kind of thing. There's a bunch of people who might be involved in this. Mm -hmm. Find your ones that can help you champion your cause. Mm -hmm. Find the ones who are really the decision makers. Find the ones who are going to be the naysayers that you got to persuade or, you know, stay away from whatever it is. Yeah, it's you know, it's again, it's not it's not that much different than other potential industries you might be selling into. Yeah, yeah. So, really good point. Well, let's talk about Dacra itself then, and Tammy, um, which I'm sure you love to talk about. What's your approach to modernizing municipalities? So, you know, how do you help resellers to to go to market? Which solutions are natural fits with, you know, with, uh, with, with their usual hardware and service offerings? So, you know, what, where do you guys work with our VAR audience? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. And I, and I am super excited to talk about it. So Dacra Tech Software, um, we are symbiotic with hardware. And what I mean by that is we need hardware. Um, Most of my customers say, I have no idea what hardware to get. Tell me what I need to do. So what our software does is it provides one place for every person in that municipality, whether that's the police officer, records clerk, finance, uh, building code, and even the city manager to work within one software. And as simple as that sounds, most municipalities are pretty siloed. Building code has a software, police have a software, finance has a software. No one is communicating together. They might be happy in their own little world. The problem comes when we try to do data collection. They get a FOIA request. Uh, The council's looking for some data. We have to pull it from all these different areas. Um, A resident comes in and has a question. Oh, that I can get from this software or, or this software. What DACRA Tech does is pull all of those departments together 
and they function in one platform. So we can, you know, set up different departments, police department, building code, fire department, health, uh, animal department. We can set those departments all up in one software. So visual acuity, everyone sees the same thing. They're all working harmoniously in one system. Doesn't mean they can see each other's, you know, data. It just means that it's better for administration. So we teach municipalities the power of technology and the power of data. It's kind of an, um, uh, an area that's not tapped into in government. Um, we really think that transparency is at the heart of what everyone is doing now. And, you know, like I said, FOIA requests, media is, is constantly asking our customers, hey, we need some data. How many tickets were issued on this street on Tuesdays? We can peel that apart where before that was a real manual process. So um, let me ask you guys a question so you can understand what DACROTEC does a little bit more. You guys ever received a speeding ticket? Uh, unfortunately. No, uh, yeah. A couple in my life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's been a while, but yes. <laughs> Good. Knock on some wood right yeah, now. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about that process. I mean, in the past, what they used to do is manually write a ticket, right? What we did when DACRA started almost 30 years ago is we looked at that process. The idea is to reduce that traffic stop. The reason we want to reduce that is twofold. One, the longer the officer's out of his vehicle, the higher his risk for an accident. So we want to make that traffic stop as short as possible. That increases officer safety. But two, I think something that has been missing in the government arena is the customer experience. So think about when you got your ticket. You messed up. You were speeding. Now, the reason you were speeding is probably because you were late, right? And now you have to wait a really long time to get this ticket. You know, you're probably thinking, I just want to get this done. So we talk a lot to the municipalities about the customer experience and whether that's a speeding ticket and getting me the ticket as fast as possible. We look at reducing traffic stops. We have municipalities time your traffic stop before you implement DACRA software and then time it afterwards and see how much faster it is, right? That's number one. Two, we, um, there's a Pollyanna that lives deep inside my soul. And um, one of the reasons I gravitated towards this job is I love helping people. And you think, how can, you know, working with a software company help people? <clears throat> Adjudication tickets are um, prima facie evidence. And I always look at how do we help municipalities stay compliant with state statutes, but also help the recipient understand what they need to do. How do I pay that ticket? How do I um, dispute that ticket? What is the best way for me to do that as quickly as possible? So as silly as it sounds, that customer experience is valuable to us. So let's say you get your parking ticket. Now you want to know, how do I pay it? Right. Um, and, and the nice thing about DACRATEC is not only do we pull everybody together, so the officer issues the ticket in DACRATEC, um, one of the things that they can use is a scanning device for the driver's license. So whether that's embedded in the MDT or the laptop in the squad or on the side, uh, they scan that driver's license and upload that information in DACRATEC. Now what we're doing is reducing human error and we're also making that process a lot faster. So using technology to reduce that traffic stop. From there, we're gonna print out that ticket. We're gonna print it on a four inch or an eight inch printer in the squad car give it to the respondent. Now, the first thing, if I'm the respondent and I receive this ticket is, how do I pay this? What do I need to do? Uh, Dacrotech's got three ways you can actually um, modernize the way people pay a ticket. And, and the first is we have an online payment portal. So I'm sitting in my car, I can log onto the website and pay my ticket on the side of the road if I want to, right? So that's one. Two, we put barcodes on our citations. So if a municipality has a kiosk in their lobby, they keep their lobby open, you know, 365 days a year. I'm somebody that works night shifts and I want to come in and scan my ticket and pay it right there online. I can do that. So we're accommodating more customers. Three, you can pay in person, right? So if you have somebody maybe that doesn't know how to log online or doesn't want to use the, the kiosk in the lobby, they can pay with cash or check or set up a payment plan and and the cashier can easily look in the software, look up their ticket and make that payment right away or set up that payment plan. So our software follows that ticket all the way through the process. Issues, payment, now it's time for the hearing. 
the software is also part of that. So again, I said evidence, right? So if an officer takes a picture of the, the vehicle and the violation, the hearing officer can quickly look at that and say, oh yeah, you did park over the yellow line or you were parked in the handicap section. All of that stays within that ticket. So the ticket becomes kind of like the file folder, if you will, of that particular citation. So whether I'm a records clerk and I have a question, the hearing officer, the police officer, it's all in one spot. Now what we do is we've got the ticket, we've either paid it or we've gone to the hearing. Now what happens? Well, we pull this data together and the software does all the hard work. Now, if in the unlikely uh, situation that the respondent doesn't pay, maybe we're able to, um, if the ordinance supports it, run a boot list or an immobilization list and find out vehicles that are available for you know, immobilization. We have heat mapping in our software. So what we can do is say, show me all the vehicles that are eligible for booting or immobilization. We heat map it. Now the community service officer can go around and manage those vehicles, whether they're immobilizing or towing, making it really easy and efficient. The last piece is, is the, that we'll follow it through. The software will give you all the notices and documents that you need to stay compliant. You know, one of the things that I find when we're onboarding a new client is um, they're not adherent with state statutes. And so one of my delicate jobs is to explain, hey, I know you've been doing this for 30 years, but that doesn't mean it's right. So we use that opportunity to say, okay, you need to be sending these notices and here's that Pollyanna piece so that people do um, know that they had a parking ticket or what their rights are. Um, and, and so the software does all that organically for them. So literally records clerks log in and the software says, hey, guess what, Dean, you've got four notices that need to be printed today and sent out. Makes it super easy, um, less uh, laborious with keeping track of dates and times because those are critical. So all of those notices get generated. We even have a mailing service. We'll do that for you, right? So we'll even, you know, get them and print them and mail them for you. So the, the software will literally, um, once you issue that ticket, we'll follow that ticket all the way through and tell you what you need to do. And, and lastly is I keep talking about the power of data. You know, looking at um, predictability. So what we want to teach municipalities is how do we help people stay compliant? How do we help people stay safer? You know, in our software, we like to support all the good things police officers do. So, for example, uh, we have a crime prevention section. Uh, this is uh, a police officer drives by John's house and sees his garage doors open at 2 in the morning. He can issue a notice in his squad car put it on John's door and say, hey, John, do you remember you, 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 know, you, you left your garage door open? Please don't do that. The nice piece about that is, let's say six months down the road, there's a break-in on John's block. We can send a notice that says, hey, John, remember you left your garage door open? Don't do that, right? So, so more of a preventative, right? And a good rapport with the citizens. Um, we also have another piece in the software where um, officers can can print a document, whether that's um, how to get access to a shelter, um, maybe Miranda writes in a second language, things that they used to have to have a brochure, using that technology to go ahead and, and print that. And again, creating that positive experience, um, reducing the amount of paper that municipalities have to use, and then making sure that they have that and then being able to report it. So collecting traffic stop data is required and the software will do all that for you. So literally you click a button, have that report and you upload it to the state. It's no longer that laborious process of, I need to go through all these tickets and find out, you know, collecting all that traffic data stop. So, you know, using the software to manage the reports. So what does DACRA do? We're, we're more than an e-citation software. We, we do, that's the heart of what we do, but we follow that citation all the way through. And, and we really do need hardware to have our software. I always, I always tell VARS, it's a symbiotic relationship. I can't work without you and, and you, know, you and I, if we work together, we provide this positive environment for municipalities. And at the end of the day, it's about helping people.
So, uh, Tammy, a couple of real quick questions as it relates to that. Awesome, and thank you for the overview. Mm -hmm. I can see why that's a very powerful tool walking in the door uh, and enabling folks. Is this an incremental, like, is this a build on top of an existing system, or are you saying that, you know, your your, your system goes in and it, it's net new, and if it's net new, does it tie into other systems? You know, I, I, I get the payment part, but... You know, sure. if I'm a municipal clerk and I've already got my systems in place, is this just uh, through APIs of plugging in or, or what is that? What does an install look like from your perspective? Yeah, great question, Dean. So, right, we, we do offer all of that functionality, uh, but we also are happy to build APIs with a, an existing payment company or an existing collections company or, you know, there's a lot of um, state hardware, the Secretary of State, you can look up a driver's license. Uh, we easily can build those APIs. And because we've been around for a long time, um, there's not that many uh, APIs that we haven't built yet. So that's nice for onboarding. You know, we try to onboard in, in less than three months, which um, is much different than many of our competitors. And, and that's because we want to hit the ground running. And, and I guess you guys provide support too, because now if you're enabling the officer with a new tool set, you know, and they're probably a little bit tech savvy, but right, that there's some learning curve that goes on there. Uh, do you guys provide that as well? Yeah. Um, so education is the arena that I came from. So that is really a critical component in the onboarding process. What we have is we have retired police officers that are educators, and that way um, we go through that process and they're speaking the same language. Um, and, and that way a police officer can um, ask a question uh, that they're both going to be able to go back and forth with. And, and what we do is we set up a sandbox site before we go live. We train everybody in the sandbox so that municipalities got all their data in one spot. Before we go live, everybody's already issued a ticket. We make sure of it. Um, so when we go live, the transition is very easy. And, and we keep that sandbox and all the you know training recordings for that municipality so they have a new hire. It's a quick you know onboarding training. So that's a, a big uh, strength in Dacrotech is I always say we don't just dump the software. We are there to help you. Um, we have a municipality going live tomorrow. And I just did a, a kickoff meeting today to, to you know, get them ready. And, and she said, we don't, we don't feel like we're going into a new software because we've worked with it for the last 30 days that we were really comfortable with it. Pretty smart. Yeah. 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 I'm still having a hard time, Tammy, giving over customer experience and government, like improved <laughs> customer experience. I'm God bless you for, for going down that path and, and forging it because we need it. But man, they should still, coexist. You know, it's, it's just, just not like, something we're used yeah, to. It's not something you're yeah. used to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to walk into City Hall and you have a whatever experience, a yeah. Nordstrom's experience? You walk out and go, that like was it. very pleasant. Yeah. 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 Not that, you know, paying a parking <laughs> ticket or a speeding ticket's probably expected to be pleasant, but. But hey. But at least be nice to say, like, hey, you know what? It was annoying that I had to do that, but at least it was painless to well, do. I'm know? glad the efficiency was faster. Yeah. Right? Like, because exactly. you're just, I was having, you know, pains when, because I. I whatever I got a, a pulled over for a, a violation of my uh, tag. Mm -hmm. It's like oh my gosh, this takes forever. And you're right, Tammy. It's like I'm already late. Now you're making me yep, even more late. Yep, so yep. let's get this let's get this customer experience moving. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Anyway, well, and I appreciate also that you know Tammy brought up this idea of the interconnectivity you know that's that's available out there, and also. Mm -hmm. I tell you, if, if you're a VAR and you're thinking, hey, I you know I want to sell this stuff and Dacra sounds interesting to me, just go back and listen to Tammy talking about you know all the little processes and steps they can do to get from the beginning of a ticket all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Because in that, there's a million questions that you can easily go and do that consultative selling and yeah, asking right. questions about, yeah. hey, how long does a typical stop take? Mm -hmm. How difficult is it gathering the stuff you need for a hearing? How long does it take folks to pay their, their bills and, and where can they do that and how can they do that? So many questions you could ask there that could very easily open that door to say, hey, mm -hmm. you know what? It sounds like you could be doing better and a little, just a little tech would help yeah. out. Let me yeah. bring my friends over Dak over here yeah. to help out. Right, so. right, right. Good stuff. Very good stuff. All right. Well, hey, before we wrap things up and get to our value to the VAR mm -hmm. for our value for our VARs here, to give them a little sense of maybe some places they could get started looking at uh, opportunities okay. in local government. All right. What's as always, first of all, thanks to our Tech Connect sponsors, those who sponsor our Tech Connect program, the podcast directly. We appreciate your support of the show. We could not do this without you. Uh, and we know Zebra, for instance, is a close yes. partner with Dacra. Yes, they are. They're yes. the ones who brought them to our attention and yep. suggested we have Tammy on the show. So Thank you, Zebra. Yeah, yep, we appreciate absolutely. that. 
Uh, hey, as always, if you like the show, one, I, hopefully you're, you know, telling us that you like the show. Yeah, right. You can do if that easily. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you could hit the like hit button. Hit the like button. You could yeah. leave a comment about mm-hmm. the episode. That's right, yeah. Uh, you can subscribe give, to the YouTube channel. Give us a rating on the pod. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're an Apple podcast or Spotify mm-hmm. listener where you can leave ratings and reviews there, do that. We That's appreciate right. those. That, again, lets us know. We've talked about this before. Sometimes Dean and I can be out places and someone will come to us and say, hey, I love the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, great. Did you leave a review? Well, well uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, that's or they'll that. start pitching me on an idea. Did you give that to us? <laughs> yeah, ex- no, exactly. Well, and, and you exactly. don't get your shirt. There you go. If you've got an idea for the show, there's always a link in the podcast that's right. show notes to give us a, a submission to you know any kind of a topic, an industry, uh, a certain company you want us to talk to. Mm-hmm. Someone like Tammy, for instance, you're like, hey, I think so and so would be a great guest for the pod. Send us that stuff. Go to that that site. Uh, drop a suggestion there. Just for doing so, we'll send you a T-shirt. There you go. Even yep. even if we don't use your idea, we will send you a T-shirt mm-hmm. just for giving us an idea. Yeah. Because we need them. We like yeah. them. And yes. we want to hear from you. Uh, and as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. First of all, let's talk about our value to the VAR. Yes, sir. This is kind of our way of giving a little takeaway to our VAR uh-huh. audience. Hey, of all yep. the stuff you've heard about today, what's something you can do with it right now? Yep. So, Tammy, I'll, you know, I'll let you kick this thing, this off here. So is there any kind of is there any low-hanging fruit out there uh, for, for helping communities to, to modernize and to find this new technology and to, you know, get out of some of these antiquated practices? Where can VARs be focusing their attention, asking questions, digging in to maybe find some easy ways that they can get involved in government and help improve processes? Yeah, um, good question. So, you know, a lot of times when we're looking at a customer, the the easiest customer, the lowest hanging fruit is somebody that has zero technology in there, right? So then we implement the software, we implement the hardware. Um, The other opportunity is customers that currently have outdated hardware. You know, um, they don't realize that the the software or the hardware that they have really isn't isn't the latest and the greatest out there. And the reason is, you know, you want to make sure for speed, um, you know, using scanners, you you know, you want to ask them, what are you currently using? What do you like about it? What's not working for you? And sometimes they get so focused, you you know, like um, zebra printers are workhorses, right? They work fantastic. And so when I onboard a municipality, I say, what are you using? Oh, we're using ZQ 520s. I say, great, you know, there's a new 521. Yeah, so they don't know the new features because they're not having, you know, issues with this, which is great. I mean, that's great that the Zebra puts out such a great printer, but, you know, you want to give those opportunities to them. One of the questions you can help um, ask a community is, how many softwares are you currently using? Um, and and, and find out, are they using three different siloed softwares? Would they like to be on one platform? You know, um, for four-inch printers in squad cars or eight-inch printers in squad cars, um, police officers issue two types of tickets, moving violations, which are usually state tickets, and then adjudication tickets. Many times they're using two software products. That just delays the officer. So if he's issuing a state ticket and an adjudication ticket, he's logging out into out of one software, logging into another. So a, a good low-hanging fruit question is, how many softwares are you using to issue a ticket? And not only from the issuance, but again, all the way through that process. Um, that's one way to go in and tackle, whether it's a, a new account. And again, I think those are always easy, you know, providing the value of, you know, making uh, streamlining situations, especially when people are shorthanded, you know, talking about, um, you know, in order for that clerk to do her job, it's taking her so long. The software is going to help her so that she can do the rest of the 10 items on her to-do list. So looking at the opportunities of where we can streamline workflows, make the process better and keep them compliant. Yeah, which is all good stuff. Oh, right? yeah. All things we're, we're, we're looking to try to solve as solutions integrators. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. And, and the focus is there, uh, especially, uh, you know, on the efficiency, right? I mean, to your point where we started the whole conversation around the staffing and, and the need to have, it's really hard to go out there and find people to do the work right, that needs to be right. done. So if you're walking in there with one of your, hey, I can make this a much more efficient process, you're going to, you know, you're winning right out of the gate. Right, right. right. So. 
And I think too, like this is one of those situations where you are kind of the consumer of sorts too. You know, you're the uh, customer yes, if you want yes, in a way because yes. you know, Not the, kind of in a way you are. Yeah, that you know. <laughs> again, if you're working within your own community and, and even with others too, but think about the things that frustrate you. Mm-hmm. Think about hey, the last time I had to get a ticket and the the time it took to get the ticket, the time it took to pay the ticket, the where I had to go and what I had to do. Uh, maybe you decided to go to a hearing and all that was, you know, a, a debacle or, or again, maybe you work in, you know, or you, you had to get a building code for something or whatever mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. put a deck or, or something like that. I don't know. Any, any situation where you have had to deal with government mm-hmm. and found something frustrating mm-hmm. that to me is a far, I would say like, Hey, maybe this is something that I could help them yep, fix. Right, you know, maybe yeah. I should go have a conversation about yeah, that. Yeah. Or if you're, again, if you're working outside of your own community and other communities, maybe it's having a conversation about, Hey, I know what it's like. I, you know, I, I got a ticket the other day and I was trying to figure out how to pay it. And it was a nightmare. I had to drive all the way mm-hmm. down here. Or I mm-hmm. had to mail this in there. And, and the clerk uh, wasn't there. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, that's the kind of stuff that helps create those kind of relatable conversations mm-hmm. that you could have with someone to help them say, like, look, I get it from the from that side. And I understand also from your side, what you're probably dealing yeah, with, right. too. Let's yeah. talk about how we can how we can solve this together. Fair so enough. There that's you go. where I, I would assume you're going to find some nice low hanging fruit. Yes. Because, and another thing, too, if you know somebody who works in government, sit down with them <laughs> and have a conversation like, hey, what frustrates you about yeah, your right. day to day work and the technology yeah. you have to use? Because I promise you, they're going to probably tell you yeah. quite a few things. Well, sit down. You, you probably need a beer. Or yeah, glass exactly. Because yeah. it's going to take a little while. <laughs> exactly. Let's go out to dinner. <laughs> let's have some drinks. And we'll talk all about it. So. That's right. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap up then with our favorite segment of each week. Yes. It's What's Tech Connecting with You? Yeah. This is where we get to talk about something in the world. Yep. Science, tech, innovation, business. Yep. Something mm-hmm. that's caught our eye, got our attention that you know we just feel like talking about today. Yeah, so there you go. Tammy, we'll let you kick off here. What's Tech Connecting with You right now? Yeah, so I'm I'm really working hard on um, looking at real estate in the squad car. And what I mean by that is, you know, real estate in the squad car for hardware is is pretty mini- minimal. Right. So we need to have the the laptop or the MDT in there. We need to have the printers in there. We need to have the scanner. So looking at technology that's all encompassing and there's a lot of great things out there um, for helping keep that squad car real estate, you know, concise Um, and using barcode scanners a lot more, QR codes. So we're utilizing those, as I said earlier, on payments, but also when people check into a hearing, if they have their notice with them or their ticket with them, just scanning it and checking it in. You know, we're trying to make sure that we can automate as much as the process is possible. So I'm really keeping my eye on, you know, scanning equipment, um, you know, did a lot of, of, of great learning uh, recently at a Blue Star event. And, uh, really brought that back and helped our development team, you know, incorporate some of that barcode scanning and, and QR code technology onto our notices and tickets. Brownie font points for connecting your tech connect <laughs> with our, you know, ecosystem and what we yeah, do no on doubt. a daily basis. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Long live the barcodes. Long yeah. live. Yeah. Yes. And we've <laughs> talked about QR codes and, and oh, yeah. where they're going and how they're revolutionizing a yeah. lot of what we yeah. do. So good do, stuff. Good I, stuff. I, I do find myself like actually utilizing those more than I used to because I feel like for yeah. a while yeah. everyone was slapping QR codes on yeah, stuff. But, just to be right. but there really wasn't a lot of, you know, a lot of education about right. why people should be using them or how to use them. I remember for a long time thinking like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with that thing. <laughs> even though it was simple as just taking my phone out of my yeah. pocket and taking a right, picture. Right, right, now, right. like you see them on commercials, Everywhere. you see movie theaters, yeah, you, you watch the local news, you know, yeah. scan this for more information. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. glad we're at a point where people actually understand what those are and what yeah. to do with them. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what's tech connected with you? Yeah. I was going to say, I think if we try to pull um, the few positive things out of the pandemic, um, one is that people now, as you said, John, know how to use a, a barcode scanner or a QR code where they didn't before. So so it's nice to transition that, you know, I, I still enjoy going to a restaurant and I, you know, people are no longer looking for a menu. They're looking for the code to scan. We want that with the the government space as well. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. All right, here's what's tech connecting with me. Well, okay. recently I upgraded my home internet. Okay. Because they came around and they installed the fiber. Right, and I, I was right. I was originally the curmudgeoned old man, you know, like, why are they digging up my yard? And they, and then you got it and realized, like, and, oh, this is nice. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like, you know, half the price and four times the speed that, right. I, you know, now my kids are no longer. So anyway, this headline. You weren't yelling, get off my lawn anymore? <laughs> 
know? well, I'm still yelling that because I'm still pissed that they went anyway. But I'm, I'm comforted Just now that I have Just accept your high-speed internet and stop complaining. Yeah, exactly. So here's the headline. Researchers set, uh, set record for data transmission rates 1.8 petabytes per second. Roughly twice the global internet traffic was transmitted in one second. This, this is the, exactly wow. this is the new record. So you may so first off, what is a petabyte? Yeah, exactly. It's even hard to get your head around that. A petabyte is a million gigabits. So whatever that is, however many billions and trillions of a lot gigabits. more than our little brains can process. Think, oh yeah. yeah, the whole global traffic can be transmitted in a second. I mean, come on. That's so insane. How are they doing this? Actually, it's pretty simple. You know, when I read them further, I'm like, duh. So they they <laughs> took they're taking a single laser chip or a single laser and they're you know projecting it on a chip. But right. what they're doing is. They're d diving into the light spectrum. So whereas in they're dividing the light spectrum into thousands of frequencies, right? right I mean, light right. has all these frequencies, and then they're transmitting on all of those. So, okay. it, it, so it's like genius. Yes, of course. So in, in one beam, you can have thousands of different frequencies transmitting data on thousands of different channels, right? Wow. And so now you just need the chipset that can decode all those. So right, it's right. basically doing the work of literally thousands of lasers. The old school way would have been to say, well, we got to line up 10,000 you know, <laughs> lasers and we got to shoot them all at one chip. And right. no, that's not going to happen. So they, they're just dividing up the spectrum. So there you go. So data transmission, I'm I mean, I, I really think this is going to be like a non-issue in like yeah. five, ten, and that that I can get my head around. You know, right. the quantum one that I brought up right, the other right. day, yeah, where that was a little harder to, to manage. Yeah, I still don't understand that. <laughs> I went back, reread it three, four times. I'm like, no, you can't just make stuff pop out of nowhere. Anyway, so okay. that's what's okay. tech connecting with me. What do you got there? All John? right, well, you know, going from uh, one sort of industry and government that's slow to modernize, yes. let's talk about another one here, which uh -oh. is local news. Yes, uh, in particular, I mean, not just your new local news stations, but also newspapers too. Mm -hmm. In particular, I'm tying this to Facebook and their parent company, Meta, because oh. like a lot of tech companies, they recently had a significant amount of layoffs. Yeah, sure. And it seems for Facebook in particular that a lot of those layoffs are centered around a desire to move away from having anything to do with news mm. on their platform. Mm -hmm. so there's been some concern about this, obviously. But, okay. Uh, it, and basically, some of the folks that got laid off included, let me pull up this article here real quick, the Meta Journalism Project Accelerator's program manager, a local news, uh, the head of local news partnerships for the platform, um, head of news partnerships for Southeast Asia, program manager for news, two program managers for news integrity, and multiple news communications jobs. So it kind of seems to imply that Meta, and in particular Facebook, that is a platform, are kind of backing away from, from news? being really involved in news mm -hmm, necessarily, mm -hmm. which is one of those things where at first I read that and I was just like, was well, that a bad thing? Because we've had so many issues with disinformation and sure, weird sure. news floating around on yeah, Facebook that right. causes problems anyway. But mm -hmm. when then when you stop and think about it, there's a lot of people who get all of their news from Facebook mm -hmm. or other social media platforms. Yeah, but it's another... Go ahead. And there's, well, and there's a lot of... And there's also other countries where Facebook is a very predominant form of, of news, you mm -hmm. know, for folks that don't have, or maybe there's state-sponsored media or something, you know, that doesn't deliver news that maybe they get from, from other outlets instead. So, and and also local news, you know, newspapers are are dying and, you mm -hmm. know, and, and mm -hmm. becoming mm -hmm. archaic. People just aren't really reading local newspapers anymore. A lot of people, you know, don't know what's happening locally as much, you know, if, if they're not tuning into their nightly news where they're only get a small fraction of what right. might be happening. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, this kind of may be, may be a bad thing. And there was another um, interesting segment of this article that, that stood out to me, um, which was talking about, uh, let me find it here real quick, some of the funding and where it was going. So they kind of mentioned that, like, you know, Facebook had committed to some funding, especially during the pandemic, to help out local news organizations. And granted, you know, it, it wasn't as much as you might think, but mm. there, there was some organizations that were kept alive by by this assistance and what they and what they were doing and what they were helping out with. But what I found was interesting here is I was talking about some of the layoffs that so they had promised 300 million in support of local journalism back in 2019. They've shifted sources away from the news tab, shuttered the bulletin newsletter program and its support for instant articles, eliminated human curation in favor of algorithms mm. and stopped paying us publishers to use their news content. Mm. I think the curation algorithm thing is the one that really kind of stood out to me is like, mm. this is kind of scary because mm. We've all kind of learned, I think, especially in the algorithms last... Algorithms can go rogue. Yeah, especially yeah. in the last you know, five, ten years or so, that algorithms may not be the best way to disseminate information yeah. when people learn how to game it, especially. Yeah, so right. if you're suggesting, like, rather than having people curate the news that They're should They're going be, all in on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. On so, the other. On uh, the other. A, little, a little alarming. I mean, hmm. my 
my you know my first suggestion to folks would be like don't use Facebook as your primary news aggregator. Well, frankly, right. Okay. But, and that's what it is. It's an aggregator. Right. right Facebook exactly. doesn't make news. No. But no they're no, aggregating no, the exactly. sources and they're feeding what you think what they think. I don't. Right. Yeah. Through their algorithms, what you should exactly. Say, yeah. And it's also a little scary to think that there's a lot of local news organizations that maybe were relying on some of the. I did not know that. Payment. Right. Yeah. And granted, again. You know, a lot of the money that Facebook supposedly has been investing in these organizations, a lot of it's really been more into marketing that they're doing mm-hmm. this rather than actually going to the organization. Mm-hmm. So they're not making a lot of money off of it. But I'm sure some folks were being propped up at least or assisted by well, this. For Facebook, so. it's all about keep, keeping people in the app. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, serving local news, that, that would be a way. I don't think it's going yeah, away. So but apparently you're not going to get much much news on Facebook anymore. It's going to be just, you know, more oh, memes more. and puppy videos <laughs> and... That stuff that your weird uncle said that you don't really want to see. Yeah. Great, great, great. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's what's tech connected. Even less reason to log on to Facebook. Yeah, anyway. no, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Tammy Wanless from Dakar, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dean. And, and thanks again, Zebra, for bringing this to the table. Yep, definitely. Hey, until next time, it is time for us to unplug. Uh, but hey, maybe go read a local newspaper. All right. You know, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, and send a petabyte of information across the internet somewhere. <laughs> and Maybe if you get a speeding ticket and the it's really efficient, thank Dakra. There you go. There that's, you go. that's it exactly. I like that. Uh, and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Elo. All right, Dean, we just talked about the idea of self-service in yes. governments and yeah. municipalities. Right. And Make it more efficient. Yeah, being yeah. able to go in and pay your ticket mm-hmm. or do whatever you need to do at a kiosk stand. Yep. Well, yep. guess who's really good at kiosks? Uh, ELO. Yeah. Yes. Self-service has never been easier. Introducing ELO's Wallaby Pro kiosk stand. The Wallaby Pro is changing the industry by making it easier than ever to configure interactive self-service solutions. Choose from wall, counter, and floor models. Engineer with configurations to fit any space in retail, restaurants, hospitality, healthcare, corporate environments. I'm going to say government entities uh, as well. Why not? Yeah. yeah. The local courthouse. I mean, this is the pro model for crying out loud. Yeah, I can go exactly. anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Just add a 22, 24, 27-inch touch screen display. All right, looking for more options though? Yes, sir. I mean, you don't want to just just a kiosk. No, I mean, come on. no, no. I, I got to put peripherals. That. That's right. How about a custom branded backer board? Love it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, ceiling pole to minimize footprint. Easy. Yes. Okay, uh, got it. What about adding a printer? Needed. ADA keyboard? Yes. Assist button? Yes. Use Elo's Edge Connect to attach any of these accessories and oh, and those boom. too. Uh, oh, and the uh, the Wallaby Pro stand offers easy-to-access concealed housing for a power strip, power bricks, compute devices, cables, whatever you need. Clean design, yeah. baby. Yeah. They've got this covered mm-hmm. everything. I think so. So if you're ready to help your customers design the most customizable self-service solutions, start with the Wallaby Pro. Contact your ELO representative to learn more. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Zebra. Print better. Yes. Print smarter. Yes. Print safer. Yes. What is there unsafe printing? <laughs> there can like paper be. cuts, maybe? Right. You know, or <laughs> Well no, you know. I know yeah, it means yeah, something yeah, different. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm being slapsticky. <laughs> That's the motto of Zebra's Z D series of two inch compact desktop printers. Designed for a small footprint but big performance, the ZD series is simple to set up and use with easy integration, management, and security options. Nice. Uh, among the wide variety of configuration sizes and options for any customer needs are the ZD411 Advanced, ZD611 Premium with color touch display option, and 611R RFID printers. Nice. All feature next gen technology engineered to grow with businesses. Hmm. I mean, Tammy was talking about, if you recall, on yep. the podcast, you know, going in and seeing some old hardware and saying, yeah, hey, absolutely. guess what? There's something new and even better out there. These could be the new Let and even better. Let me show you what we got. There That's you right. Go. Check out the link in the show notes for more on each ZD Series printer type.